Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. What's up, guys? This is Ruben Dua from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. I got Josh with me here and we started in and we, we weren't recording and we went deep on our authenticity and truthfulness and transparency on how sometimes it's important, but sometimes it's not. Yeah. Josh, what's your take on that? Uh, overall, the big macro, the 30,000 foot view is that we don't really truly want 100% transparency and authenticity from the people that we come across on a day-to-day basis. And why is that? Why do you feel that way? I think that we've gotten into this, by the way, you want to talk about trending words in 2019? Authenticity. Authenticity, transparency. We see it across the board in every walk of life. It's almost become a a cliche for people to talk about wanting it, for people to talk about giving it. And in reality, I want you to, again, think about the person that you see on a casual basis every now and then. Um, you see each other at the mall or you see each other, you know, um, out at dinner and John says, hey, how are you doing? It's good to see you. He absolutely positively doesn't want you to stop him and say, you know what? Things are terrible. Let's talk. My wife is mad at me all the time. My kids suck. They're failing all their classes. Job is teetering on the brink of something bad. You don't want to hear that from him or he doesn't yeah. want to hear that from you. What he wants is the the nicety of saying, I'm good. Thanks. It's good <laughs> to see you. Right. And I think that we tend to, and we're also not vulnerable enough to admit that we don't want 100% transparency from everybody. And so I, I, I think that uh, we're stuck in a land of cliches, man. And unfortunately, transparency and authenticity has become that in 2019. You know what? I tend to agree with you. I think that The more important thing that I think that we really need to evolve is to just going inward, you know, it's vulnerability. It's understanding what's going on in our own lives because Mm -hmm. people feel like if I project something and if I put something out there, I'm being quote unquote authentic. But Mm -hmm. are you really like if you really peel the onion back, like what's going on in your life? So I think that it comes down to good listening, you know, and people that are the best listeners, they're the best communicators. And that's I'm a student of this, and I have by no means <laughs> perfected this, probably the opposite, but it's something that I think about a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially with the channels and the powers that we have now with video and LinkedIn and with, you know, access to networks, it's our duty to be good listeners, to understand what's going on out there, and then just to see what people are saying and then put whatever we want out there. But, you know, I, it's dynamic, man. It's, there's no perfect science to it. <laughs> You know, I, I tend to, it's funny, I think we've gone through this weird roller coaster of how this works in society. I know that before, so I'm 43. Um, so you remember, even before MySpace, you just kind of lived life. Um, you know, you might have had a Razor phone, right? But you kind of lived life. The, the friends and family that you knew really well, you were as authentic as you could be. You never were with bosses. Um, MySpace came along, and then especially Facebook. And people started to say, hey, be careful about what you put online. Mm -hmm. So be careful about what you share because eventually someone's going to see it. Mm -hmm. And if your boss sees you cursing at a football game or if your boss sees you shotgunning a beer, (laughs) that's right. 
I was at a Foo Fighters concert in uh, Vegas over the weekend, and David Grohl sh- he shot in a beer with someone. So That's, see, and, and exactly right. And what are they? What was the the advice? Right, the advice was don't put that online because recruiters are going to see it. Your <laughs> boss is going to see it. Future spouses, whatever it is, someone's yeah. going to see it. So let's hide that. And what social media did at that point was it eliminated this ability to be transparent and open with who you were. Well, think of it. Then all of a sudden what you had were the Instagram models and the Instagram famous people and the Facebook happy people. Mm. And you had the perfect snapshot of everyone's life right there. So kids smiling. You didn't take a picture six seconds before where everybody was screaming. You were screaming (laughs) at your kids to smile or else they were going to get, you know, not get candy later on. Right. You saw the one snapshot. Right. And what it did was it taught us that if we're not completely transparent and authentic, people are going to like us. Mm-hmm. And then that went over to LinkedIn where we are now. So now what you see are influencers everywhere and people putting out content. And it's great. But you're seeing one half of their lives. You're not seeing the person who is a sales expert struggle at selling. Mm. You're not seeing the person who is a business guru failing and having to close his business. Right. You see the most perfect thing from everyone. And to me, it's funny. Once I started being a little bit more, and I'm not completely transparent. Once I started being a little more transparent on LinkedIn and on social media, it's funny how it worked. All of a sudden, people wanted to work with me. Mm. And so one of my goals of that post, I had a post about that today, was to really start a conversation on what is it you actually want? And if you actually want it, are you okay with receiving it? And then lastly, are you willing, if you're willing to actually do that and be more open and honest and transparent with your life, it's really not going to go as bad as you think. Mm. So I think it's an, it's an interesting topic for sure. Intriguing. What is, I, I want to make sure I say this right, but what is yeah. equational success? Yeah. What so, is that? Let's start back, go back to 2007. In 2007, I was struggling like crazy in my career. Um, Had just gotten out of the mortgage business. And that was around that time when the mortgage collapse started to happen. Um, Actually got into the insurance business and I was struggling. And I sat down and thought to myself, what is it that I can do to as close, you're never going to ensure anything 100%, but what is it I can do that will give me a good roadmap? I'm very visual. I've got a very, I have to have something systematic in front of me to do well. Mm-hmm. So at that time in 2007, came up with adding universal truths, which are things that happen around us that are the same for everyone in that area, that industry, whatever it is. And then personal truths. What is it true about you? And I merged those together to help me become more successful selling. Fast forward to now, and I added to it. There's an equational formula for success that everyone has. Mm. And if you put that formula together, and if you follow the formula, no matter what you're doing, if you're in business, if you're in sales, if you are the secretary at the bottom of the food chain inside an organization, if you'll follow these steps, you're going to see success in what it is you do. And so that's what equational success is. And to lay it out briefly, it's those first two I just mentioned. So understanding the universal truths that are the same for everyone in your particular situation. So area of the country, which is weather, which is economy and those sort of things. Same thing in your industry, people that are in your industry. 
What are the personal truths that are true for you? How do you best work? What motivates you? What drives you? What sets you off? All of those things that are true about you. But then I added two more. One of those was community. Mm. What is it that you're doing in the community? What are you involved in the community? How are you taking part in the community? Because community is vital to the success of any business, any salesperson, any job. And then the last thing was the success inhibitors in your life. What are those things that keep you from being successful? And so if I added A, which is universal truths, to B, which are personal truths, I subtract the success inhibitors. And then I add in a sprinkling of community. I get what I see as success. When you do all those things accurately, there's no way you can't be successful. So that's what equational success is. And it's how I teach and coach people that I work with. So how can we take this to the practical realm? I mean, if I'm looking at my situation, you know, my business, my career, uh, my focus, my goals, how can I actually integrate this? Yeah, it's a good question. And by the way, it's something that I do for my clients. So what I would do is I would sit down with you and I would ask you to do a few things. We would go through each of those steps and it would be up to you to determine what are the things, if, if you're trying to better your podcast career, you're trying to better your sales career, your business career. I would ask you to step back and look at that industry as a whole. If you're trying to be better than them, to be more successful than to have more prominent guests than them, for instance, I'd ask you to look at what everybody else is doing. What's the same for everybody? So one of my good friends is Mark Metry here on LinkedIn. Um, he's got a podcast that's called Humans 2.0, which is fantastic. What is it that someone like he does? What is it that the other people who are in that industry struggle with? that they face, that they come across um, on a day-to-day basis. Um, Those would be your universal truths because you have to know what it is that everyone is facing, right? What makes you on an even ground with everyone? You're going to write those things out. Secondly, you're going to write out personally for you. What are all of your motivating factors, both positively and negatively? What is it you're good at? What is it you struggle with? What are the things that really make you get up in the morning and go? What are the things that can keep you in bed and keep you from being really good? Mm. Um, All of the things that are personal to you, right? Not necessarily um, the success inhibitors, but what are the driving motivating factors in your life? Because to me, again, if you don't understand you and if you don't understand what really motivates you, you get into this habit of starting to pick cliches from society, right? Like we talked about earlier. You start looking at self-help books that someone else wrote with ideas that drove and motivated them, but they don't matter to you. Mm. Um, so I'd have you write those things out and, and we would come up with a plan inside your personal um, truths. We'd also write out your own business plan that comes within there. So there are some very practical applications. Next, we would talk about success inhibitors. So knowing your universal truths, knowing your personal truths, what are the things that keep you from being successful on a day-to-day basis? What is it? Mm. What are you not any good at? What is it that keeps your eye off, takes your eye off the ball, right? What is it that, you know, I, I tend to be like the dog and up, right? So the squirrel runs by and I'm like, squirrel, I am easily distracted. And understanding that allows me to put in place Um, some different things that help keep me focused in the moment when I'm doing things. So what are the things that keep you unfocused? So we'd walk Mm. through that. And then lastly, what is your goal and what are the objectives within the community? 
How are you going to become part of a community that eventually will support you? And so that's what we would do together. And typically speaking, when I work with someone, it's probably a six-week course. And that six-week course, we would walk through all of it. And at the end, it's funny, think about it this way. You've never done it before. You start understanding what it is that everyone struggles with. You kind of know what the lay of the land is. You start really focusing on those things that drive and motivate you. Now you start working just a little bit differently. When you understand and acknowledge those things that keep you from being successful and you actively write those out and actively have those on your mind, you know what to stay away from. Mm. Uh, By the way, on that, most people, instead of actively trying to stay away from things they're not good at, they try to work on those things that they suck at, right? And what happens is the minute you start working on things that you want to get better at in the moment, it keeps you from that objective. There are times and places to work on things that you struggle with, not in the heat of the moment, in the heat of what you're trying to do. Um, when you start doing all those things, you can't help but be successful. So it's a pretty cool system, and I've, I've enjoyed doing it and enjoyed putting people through it. Well, I mean, what does the sort of new state look like? I mean, what do people experience when they've gone through this process, you know, after six weeks, yeah. after six months, whatever it may be? So what people end up knowing and doing is they end up being, and this is going to sound super cliche and goofy, but hear me out. <laughs> okay. They really do act as though they were called to act from the start. Mm-hmm. So I want you to think about If you've ever been through sales training with an organization or in in an industry, sales training is all fairly similar, right? And it's all pretty cookie cutter, usually based upon metrics. So in sales training, they're going to teach you that, hey, here's our metrics, right? It's going to take you to get one sale. You're going to have to call 50 people, set 20 appointments, have 10 second appointments, and you're going to get one or two sales. That's typically speaking how sales training works. And then they teach you methods on following up. They teach you methods on, you know, how to overcome objections and things of that nature. All of those processes are based upon one individual's specific outcomes based upon what they were good at, right? You're not necessarily hitting the individual tendencies and the individual highlights of what makes someone really unique and good. And so what you end up seeing is you start spreading all that out and getting rid of the metrics ideas and the fact that sales training, for instance, or starting a business has to do with phone calls and numbers and those sort of things. And all of a sudden you put someone through this process where they're identifying what it is that drives and motivates them more. Well, what happens when you know what drives and motivates you? You start to put yourself in positions within the community that allow you to access those good parts of what you do. So instead of making 50 phone calls, I know that I'm much better in front of a group of people. Mm. I relate face-to-face. So instead of making a bunch of phone calls that I'm dying to get away from, I'm setting up events where I can go speak. I'm going to figure out how to get in front of a chamber of commerce. I'm going to Rotary Club, wherever it is. I'm setting myself up for success through those things that drive me and that I'm passionate about. All of a sudden now you start reinvigorating yourself when it comes to the business because you're focusing on those personal truths, those universal truths that drive and motivate you and make you want to get out and do the business. So, so it it's, really, it's almost like a top-down approach, really. It's, it's looking at your strengths, weaknesses, and then it, it really comes down to leverage and almost power, you know, which I, which I agree with. Yeah. So the other thing too, whether it's business, you know, starting a business or sales or what have you, one of the very first things outside of metrics that people focus on are 
what are the things that you really are not good at? We're going to focus on that because I'm going to make you better, right? So I'm going to take, if you have 10 different, if there are 10 different things that will make you successful in this business, and there are eight of them that you're an, a B or an A player on, and then two of them, you're either a C, a D, or an F. Traditional models in terms of business say, let's go work on the F, and I'm going to make you better at cold calling. Instead of focusing on those things that you're really strong at and avoiding that cold call, because the traditional model is based on metrics, right? If you're starting a business, you know the metrics of your business. Um, If you're in sales, you know what the metrics are in your industry. Um, Instead, I'm going to focus on the individual, focus on the individual strengths, and we're going to build a platform off of those that will then enable that person to have success. So equational formula. Got it. So what would you say are some of the trials, tribulations that you've gone through, the failures, the hardest times in your life that have really, I think, A, allowed you to go inward, to go deep, to understand how you would overcome these problems, but then to figure out, of course, a way to to express these, to share these, and to coach others. What was your journey like? Yeah. um, Well, first of all, before I get into that, I'll say this, that every person you ever talk to has a story, just like you. That's why you asked me. And until you're able to legitimately come out and tell your story, until you're able to do that, people don't know who you are and they have no reason to buy into what it is you're selling or doing. Mm -hmm. So the idea of storytelling, the idea of being open, we just talked about transparency and authenticity. The people who are able to grasp that are the ones that are able to fully connect with people. And so my story really I mean, from childhood, we grew up in a very poor uh, family, lots of love, um, not a lot of money, (laughs) no different than a lot of people. At the age of seven, almost eight, um, I was raped at a party of my dad's. I struggled with that for years where I can't tell anybody. I can't get into this. I can't tell anybody. This 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 is my fault. Become a senior in high school, my dad goes to prison. He was uh, using drugs and helping people mask the selling of drugs on a university campus. And so he was gone, so I left college. Um, That was the end of my senior year and the beginning of my freshman year, and eventually I quit and came back home to take care of my mom and my, my little brothers. And so all of these things really started to shape who it was I was becoming. And what it did was, I tell people about this, it really made me a professional liar, I had this professional liar cloak, and it wasn't that I was intentionally going out and deceiving people. That's not what I'm talking about. It was, I had this cloak on of who I thought people wanted me to be. All these pent up and built up things inside of me, these voices telling me you're not good enough. You know, these things happen to you because you're no good, and these things, you're never going to amount to anything. Now you don't have a college degree, right? So you're not good enough for those jobs. And you wore this, I wore this cloak of this professional liar. And it really wasn't, um, it really wasn't until four or five years ago that I started taking it off. And then at 41, finally telling my wife about what had happened to me as a little kid and finally opening up in that front. And then that cloak came off more and more. And all of a sudden, I was able to be me. And what was cool about that, right, for me, and I think it's interesting because when we go through an equational formula of success for clients that I have, whether they're B2B, big businesses that we work with, or it's individuals, the idea that not necessarily that they have to share everything, 
but this idea that honesty brings out huge success because that cloak of the professional liar is so heavy and it, it impacts everything you do. And when I'm able to just be me, man, I don't have to hide anything anymore. Mm. I, I can be. You're, I mean, you're, you're liberated. It's liberating. It mm -hmm. really is. But not only that, if I'm willing to do that, if I'm willing to share what I just shared with you right there, there's really nothing that bothers me when, for someone to tell me something, for me to ask something of someone else. I don't worry so much anymore about how is someone going to take what I'm saying? Do they, how, how much do they care about what I'm saying? Do they think I'm an idiot or more? I don't care about that stuff anymore because I've just divulged a secret that people never give right? And people that, that struggle with those things. So it's a really freeing and liberating thing. And what it does for someone in business is it allows them to be the person that other people want to see. It's funny. We talked about authenticity and, and openness. People want to be around those people. They really do. As long as they're empathetic and they're reasoning and they um, are kind, right? They want to be around people who are willing to share their souls because those are the leaders that you follow. And um, it's really done amazing things. And, and, you know, again, I don't really know your views on any, on this, but to me, God put me in positions now to be able to share those things with other people that allow me to change their lives in business. And when their lives are changed in business, their lives are changed personally. So it's cool. Or it's, I mean, that's beautiful. I, that resonates with me on multiple levels. You know, I yeah. really, really appreciate you, you sharing that. I mean, I think it's probably one of the biggest problems that we face in, in business, which is to talk about our war stories and the stuff yeah. that we went through, even in childhood. I mean, I just had a really deep conversation with a woman by the name of Violet Rainwater, and she talks about this idea that most of the conflicts that we have in our careers in business as adults, most of it actually stems from childhood trauma, mm -hmm. specifically from childhood trauma. And it's adversity that we went through. It's risks. It's terrible things that we've all gone through and that we've never been able to sort of resolve from that. It's specifically, it's called complex PTSD, which is something that mm -hmm. takes place over the course of decades. And the vast majority of people, they never, they never actualize it. They never understand it. And then, of course, as a result, they can't fix it and they can't fulfill their purpose. They can't be on their, on their best self. So I think you know, your kind of mantra of putting yourself out there, and I think specifically just being vulnerable is what helps us to A, be liberated, but also allows us to be connectable with other people. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting about that. I, uh, it kind of all came full circle for me at the beginning of this year. Um, you and I met on LinkedIn before 2019. I never made videos. Mm. It was almost that Look, I've been transparent and open. People in my family know what's gone on in my past now. There's just something different because it's what we talked about earlier, right? Now we're talking business. <laughs> we're yeah. talking a, a website or a forum where potential employers, where potential clients, current clients are. And this idea that now I'm going to go out and be me on a video where I can't go and edit it later on when I'm typing yeah. is a huge step. And I started making them. And it's funny because the first several I made, were, they were fine. But I didn't really get truly start getting traction until I decided, you know what? There are so many people around here putting content out and sharing of themselves, but they're not really sharing of themselves. 
Mm-hmm. Again, they're doing the snapshot of perfection that they want that person to see at any one time. And I decided at that point that business is personal. You can't do something in your personal life and not have it affect your business life and vice versa. There's no Therefore, more church and state. It's it's all integrated now. <laughs> well, it, it, it is, right? I mean, I always tell people this, the people that challenge me on that. Watch someone who's been going through a divorce mm. and find, does it affect them at work? Mm. Or have someone who has gotten a huge promotion at work, does it impact them at home? Of course it does on both fronts. So it's all the same. Yeah. And, and there's still not a lot of people doing it, but there are more and more. And you'll see it, right? The people on LinkedIn, the people on Facebook, Instagram, on social media, in business who are willing to be real are the ones that people flock to. And there's a reason for that, right? So it's, uh, it's, it's been a wild journey. Well, I mean, I think there's, there's also this idea of discovery. And, you know, this is something that, that I've really tried to study and understand, which is that there's different channels, different times, different places on which I put the content that I put out there. And I want people to discover it in ways that suit them. I want it to be comfortable and welcomed. I don't want it to be disruptive. And I think about this a lot because... You know, the reality of the algorithms on social is that if you post more frequently, if you have longer form content and if you get more engagement, you're going to get more eyeballs. Right. So it's on us to figure out ways to maximize our storytelling, to figure out ways to educate, to entertain, to get people to be compelled and engaged and to like, comment and share, frankly. Yeah. But on the flip side, there's this idea where if our ultimate goal is to not get exposure and our ultimate goal is to truly help people which which i I mean i think is it's it's the best path right then we have a purpose to find a balance within that to not figure out ways to game the system but rather do what we need to do what we're on this planet to do Mm -hmm. and then not worry about the algos and and let and let those things do the things that they're going to do so you know i think about this a lot and i don't have a solution for this but you know i guess it just has to feel natural you know it's so it's interesting i think you're right and i um to say that I don't think about what I'm about to type is inaccurate. It would be a lie. I do. Mm. And I think about how to word things. But what I've learned is on two things, actually. I want, because I think I have a story to tell both business and personally, um, whether we're talking about the businesses I work with, um, the businesses my company works with, or the individuals that I'll work with. Um, I believe they need to see what it is I do, what it is I believe, because I think I can make a difference in their lives. But also, I think what people really want, people, again, at the beginning of this year, before I started doing videos, I think I had 6,000 followers after who knows how many years. And I think I'm at 17 and a half or something now, thousand. And again, there are plenty of people with more than that. But I think what's happened is that's not because I'm, on some unique, weird look. I mean, I don't have a shtick, right? I don't have, I don't do something funny. I don't have stand-up comedy. I don't do any of that. It's just me talking about things that I care about, things that come up. And what you'll see when you go through my activity feed is there are times when I'm very confrontational, like that post today. I mean, to, for the most part, I told people, hey, you don't want transparency, right? It was confrontational. It's, it's polarizing. I get it. But it wasn't it wasn't me being polarizing to be polarizing. It totally. was me just being me. And then you'll have another post where I'm just talking about how I feel. 
Yeah. And so to me, no, and, and I resonate with that. I mean, yeah. I, I appreciate you putting something out there that needs to be put out because right. unfortunately, if we just live at the the surface of the onion and don't peel it back, then we're not evolving. Well, and I think to me, and I may, we'll see if this plays out. I think people find it boring to, I mean, look, if I read, well, there's no Sports Illustrated anymore. Is, I, if I were to read Sports Illustrated on a weekly basis and all they talked about was how much my Dallas Cowboys suck, eventually it gets boring, right? You, you, you've got to throw in another sport. You've got to do something else. There's got to be a, an opinion piece. You've got to do different things. And I think when we're talking about our business and then even our social lives, the social media lives like we're talking about, I'm just going to be me. And I'm so much more than a confrontational video, right? I'm so much more intricate than, you know, having a feel good, lovey dovey piece. It almost varies minute to minute, just like everybody does. Right. And if I'm willing to live my life through that social media, then I have to be okay. If people don't like what I say, I have to be okay with someone. I used to worry about those two out of a thousand that hated something. I used to care more about those guys than I did about the 998. Now I don't. And so for me, I have to be willing to put my life out there. If I talk about being transparent, talk about living through your personal truths, then I have to be willing to show that warts and all. And I think that if more people did that, you would see more success in business. I think you would see more relationships built and more stories being told. So what, what is it that you think that um, is, is going to change on this realm? I mean, what... What is the paradigm shift? I mean, personal social networks, they're changing in the way that they disclose certain data, how much engagement posts get. What's happening in LinkedIn? Have you noticed any changes? Well, the one thing you notice about LinkedIn with the algorithm that it's always changing. I mean, it really is. You try to stay up with things because in the end, you don't care about the vanity metrics. But you do want, if you have a message to put out there, you want to make sure you're effectively getting that message out to as many people as you can. Um, so on LinkedIn, it really is an ever-changing thing. It's really difficult to answer that. What we are seeing, right, is that some of the same standbys always are happening. People who are putting their message out on multiple fronts, and when I say multiple fronts, I'm talking about written posts, pictures, documents, videos. People who are doing all of that are doing the best, right? The people who um, are only doing one thing are having a hard time getting their stuff seen. Um, whether that's because the algorithm doesn't like it or it's because people are getting bored, people who have variety and people who are willing to say things that other people aren't willing to say seem to be doing better. Um, I'll say this in general. I think what you're going to see with social media and what I'm seeing from a business front is you're seeing more people engaged than ever before, um, business people. And maybe they're not all being completely transparent or willing to show their personal side yet but they're becoming more open to it. Yeah. And as they become more open to it, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a gradual shift to, and and I may need to put it into my equational formula. You're going to see more of a a shift to taking online relationships offline. Um, You know, for a while here, it's looked as though we were going to totally move to an online kind of business relationship where you did everything through Skype or through messenger or through posts but I went to LinkedIn local last week mm. and it was phenomenal. And I was able to meet people that I've been interacting with for years right there, right face to face. And there's no way in hell I'm not going to do that again. 
And so, again, the circle of life here is going to start drawing us to create relationships here and then to figure out how to take them here. And the person who's able to figure out how to meld those two um, is going to be the one that's successful, I think. What do you think? What do you think? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, I, I love the mention of LinkedIn local. You know, I mean, every I think major city, I think at this point has has some some sort of a group. Right. Um, but I think that goes back to your equation, really, to the community component, mm-hmm. because taking digital relationships and then taking them to the real world and vice versa, I think, is a, a really important evolution of the connections that we're making. So shout out to you for doing that. I have not attended a LinkedIn local event, um, but I intend to. So it's, it's on my list. I think they're in Manhattan Beach in L.A. So I least... think they are, actually. And yeah, uh, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, that L.A., it's a pretty hopping local. So I think yeah. it's going to, there's a lot of good people that, that create a lot of stuff that go to there. that. Well, you know, it's LA, so we're all, we're all video forward, but then again, who, who isn't these days, you know? <laughs> no? Yeah. Uh, I'm from Texas, so I'm not supposed to really say nice things about LA and California, <laughs> but, but, I, but I bet I can only imagine I've seen some of the people posting about it and it looks like a really lively and really cool crew. Well, you know what? It's it's everywhere now. I mean, every, there's the whole idea of, of cities being the new hubs. I, yeah. I think that's all over now. I mean, I think now it's we're in a true global village. We have access to all the same resources to a certain extent. Um, talent. I mean, some of the great talent wants to get out of the big cities. That's the theme, you know? Yeah. So um, it's a good time to be anywhere on the planet <laughs> as long as you have a Wi-Fi and a decent device or three. Absolutely. <laughs> and all you need, like we talked about before this, all you need is that iPhone 11. And there you you've go. Got pretty much the best camera out there. So there you yeah. go. Low light and all. Um, to answer your question, though, I mean, the thing that I'm kind of contemplating a lot now is that is this are we in the age of the extrovert, the social, the digital extrovert? Mm-hmm. You know, to the vast majority of, you know, definitely soft skilled focus um, careers, positions, jobs, you know, are the extroverts are people or at least that the people that decide to be an extrovert in a controlled environment, the, i.e. the people that create content, that put videos out there, that write articles that are personalities to a certain extent, are those the people that are going to really outshine the folks that are more behind the scenes, that are not necessarily confident or comfortable or ready or just not interested in, well, in putting their stuff out there? I think about you, that a lot. and I don't know yeah. the answer. <laughs> well, here's, I mean, I'll just give you my thought on it. I, by the way, I've thought about it too. Um, you wouldn't believe it, but people that know me well know that I'm not an extrovert. Mm. I mean, I'm really not. I was reading, it's funny. I've always wondered why, you know, I excelled in positions that had me out front, yet I never wanted to be there. Mm. Um, and I read this article several years ago about being an ambivert, right? The person yeah. who is an introvert that pushes themselves to be an extrovert in different situations. Actually, I think the video deal on social is perfect for those introverts out there yeah. because this is what happens remember not only five years ago the people who were really rocking it in business were the ones that got keynote addresses right the people mm. that went and did speeches in front of people the people that were paid to go and talk in front of groups is that really needed now now you have the ability to get a message out to some someone wants to pay me to go talk in front of 250 people Okay, or I could create a video about a specific topic. I can edit it to a point where I get all the ums and ahs out, and I can put it out to a, an audience on a Facebook of billions of people or on LinkedIn of 500, 600 million. 
And so I think that we're in a perfect time for introverts, actually, where they can look, think about it. An introvert, the biggest issue is getting in front of people and not being able to control the message when you're in front of them. Yeah. You, you are mortified that I'm having to talk in front of all these people now. Yet with the video aspect of social, an introvert can sit in the room like this, right? They can create it and craft a video. They can edit the picture to make it look how they want. If they have a zit on their nose, like I did earlier, they can edit it out and they can throw it out there for all to see, never having to actually do that face to face. And then they can cause dramatic movement when it comes to whatever cause it is they have. So I actually think it's great for introverts at this point. I would say that the movement will be, you're going to see more and more people who are empowered that never had a voice before, who as long as they're willing to pick up their camera and their phone, they're going to be able to have massive pull within the business community and within life in general. So I actually think it's a really exciting time. You just have to be willing to pick up the phone. Well, I mean, I think it really comes down to the fear of rejection, the fear of not being accepted. You know, these are why people don't want to publicly speak, why they don't yeah. want content on the internet. And to your point, I think when you're in a controlled environment, you can actually mitigate a lot of those things. And yes. I think more importantly is you can you can just get better at the craft. Yes. You know, um, I did not do any videos. I did not do any public speaking. I'd never had a keynote over 12, 15 months ago. I never had, I was not doing any of those things. Uh, there was right. no even opportunity for me. At least I thought in my mind. And I just realized it was just a choice that I had to make. I had a voice to say, I had stories to tell. I, I, I love listening to people. I love sharing their stories and then sharing that with other people. And I realized, well, duh, maybe as an introvert or as an ambivert or someone that used to be behind the scenes, all it was was a choice for me. And I made that choice. So, Well, and so let me ask you this. Is the, I guess, the, the movement toward audio social even that much more helpful for introverts, right? Because again, now you can talk about recording a podcast, recording your voice and being able to work on that instead of having to worry about someone seeing your face and someone seeing your facial expressions and not knowing how to use your hands or whatever it is. Um, do you think that is a positive step for introverts in general in terms of social and getting their word out? I totally do. I mean, we think about this a lot. I mean, Dub, my company, is it's a video communication platform. It's an asynchronous platform. We've got almost 20,000 users all over the world. People hey. are recording videos. Yeah, people are recording videos, you know, they're on LinkedIn, they're on Gmail, they're doing from the mobile app, there's all sorts of fun stuff that's happening. Yeah. Here's what we've realized, realized that people want to share value, they want to educate, they want to show stuff from their screen, mm -hmm. sometimes from their phone, but mostly it's from their screen because they're comfortable at a desk in a controlled environment. But it's three o'clock in the morning, they didn't do their hair, they got a zit on the nose. It's not necessary to have a video feed, but it is important from my perspective to have the visual and that yeah. visual can be what you're seeing on your screen. It could be a dashboard. It could be a walkthrough of a contract. It could be a proposal. It could be anything that's visual in nature because my big stick here is that there's so much noise out there. There's so many things to read that if we truly want to engage with people, we need to get all of their senses, you know, and through digital, yeah. that's what they see and it's what they hear. And I think more importantly, it's what they feel. So, well, and I hope if anything, what I can do for people is, Again, 
I don't think you have to have the James Earl Jones voice to do this stuff, right? <laughs> you don't have to be trained at Harvard or Yale or some Ivy League school. You don't have to have a shtick, right? I don't have to, you know, wear goofy clothes or, or have, you know, funny zingers as I talk. All I've got to do is be willing to put on the camera or the recorder and just talk about what I am passionate about. And it's amazing what happens when we show other people that passion in a story context. Mm -hmm. And when you're able to do that, passion resonates. And I could talk about what I'm really passionate about. And, you know, there are going to be people who don't care about it at all, but they hear the passion in my voice. Yeah. And something about that passion resonates. And that allows them to listen more or to see more or to do more. And so I think that, you know, I love the fact that we have the ability now in 2019, moving into 2020, to have a multitude of avenues to be able to express that passion. Um, whether it's audio, whether it's visual, whether it's through pictures or or whatever that is, there's really not a reason to not do it. Love that. Love that, Josh. That's super important, man. A lot of people have to hear that, you know? 2020, can you believe that? I mean, are we in the future? You know, yeah. I grew up watching the Jetsons. I grew up, you know, watching all those great sci-fi movies and how they projected the future is what we're in today. <laughs> I mean, Isn't that funny? We uh, remember when the Apple Watch came out a couple of years ago, and um, I'm you know I see people talking on their you know totally. Uh, like Dick Tracy. I can't believe it doesn't have video. Why doesn't it have a video camera? That baffles my mind. I actually heard that it's coming. Yeah. So, um, but it just reminded me at that point of Dick Tracy. I mean, yeah. we had. I, so I I remember specifically, and I don't remember when the Palm Pilot came out. Mm. But remember when the Palm Pilot came oh, out? Yeah. It, was this, it was this like holdable portable computer right and you have all you could do was keep like small notes in it and your contacts but it was mind-blowing and then you know steve jobs introduces the iphone and then you have the ipad and it's this like computer that i could use my finger on and and, and then all of a sudden i saw someone at the mall the other day on a hoverboard <laughs> right and you have tesla and these electric cars it's it's interesting we tend to make fun of the Jetsons and those funny uh, shows we used to watch that kind of depicted crazy future. So much of it is real now. Mm. And um, to me, it's so exciting. And I, I think I'll say this. I think there's going to be there are going to be things at the end of 2020 that we had no idea were coming right now. Right. There's going to be advents and, and things that come up and and, you know, um, new products that just blow our frickin mind. And um, I don't know, man, I'm excited. I am so excited. And I'm excited to see how it interrupts the normal, boring business culture. Um, it, it's I live for that crap. <laughs> so do I. It's something we share. I mean, my question for you is how can we make the dub platform better? You know, yeah. I want feedback. I mean, give me that brutally honest feedback. What are you looking for? What are ways that we can improve? Tell me now. Tell me later. Get back to me. I'm all ears. You know, well, I think I, about this I constantly. Am, I am brand new on dub. Actually, uh, my buddy Russ Johns here on the LinkedIn platform. Oh, yeah. Josh, shout out to Russ. Yep, Russ kind, is awesome. Kindness, kindness is cool. Man, that dude is awesome, isn't he? Uh, I never wanted to be a pirate more in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, dub so far, 
I'm loving it. I'm supposed to, I need, I got to set up a call here actually pretty soon to discuss how to create videos that require password to get into. Okay. So got some, it. some specific stuff like that. And I know y'all do it. You know, I, I would say this, make it as easy as possible to consistently record video. That's all I would say. And that's love really that. what that does, right? Love that. Again, what I think so far I love about it is it's, taking away the excuse of, I can't do this now. Mm. Right. I mean, think about, I remember, Oh God, when was I sending videos on email from YouTube? Right. I would, and we would do what everybody does. Right. We would send a, uh, we'd do a, a screenshot of the, the th a thumbnail, right. We'd mm. insert that into our email. We'd get a hyperlink on it <laughs> and then it would, you know, you'd send that out and then someone could click on it. It goes right to YouTube. Dub, there's no need for that. Yeah. I, that's something to me that's powerful. I uh, have a text squad. So I've got a, a platform where I can do texting with people who subscribe to my texts. And I sent out a video the other day, recorded it right from my phone, put in the uh, link to that in the text. It uh, sent it all out. They're able to click on it. They're able to go right to a screen that says, hey, this is me. And then at the bottom, it had a call to action. There's some really cool features. So, you know, I don't know what else you could do better. Um, next time we talk, maybe I'll have a couple of things for you. But so far, that was a bomb. I love this thing. Hey, I really appreciate it. You know, your feedback's super important to me. So so please keep in touch on that. And, yeah. um, you know, any way that, that we can help you to succeed, we love that. Um, do you have the Chrome extension, the Dub Chrome extension? I've got the Chrome extension. So what I don't, so I have it, it's, in, it's attached. Um, I haven't played with it just yet. I've got to get in and kind of, you know, do some screen recording and those sort of things. What I'm got to teach, I got to do next is make sure that it's into my Gmail. That's right? the so thing. That's yeah. what I was going to say, because it's yeah. a one, it's a one click record from Gmail. So check Amazing. out the Dub Chrome extension. Awesome. Cool. Well, listen, this was, this was tremendous, man. I want to, I want to keep this up. And you know, the funniest thing that I always experience when I have these really deep conversations is that I feel like I know you, like I feel like we're <laughs> friends, you know, we've never met each other. This is the first time we're talking and it, it always just, I always become enamored with that, that the, the connections, you know, the relationships that can be formed through video, through media, yeah. through we're using Skype now, but, but any, any of these platforms, man, it's, it's well, just profound. So and, and in the end, isn't that, that really should be what we're all aiming for. Totally. I and mean, again, if we are going to replace the day-to-day, face-to-face, shake-your-hand, you know, kind of business with more of a video, more of a technology-based thing. We've all got to get better at telling our own unique story in a way that will draw people in, mm -hmm. right? Otherwise, what we're going to end up being, right, are a bunch of robots behind a screen that don't feel close to anybody. Right. So I really appreciate you saying that because, you know, not everybody clicks with my way of telling stories or with my way of doing business, and that's cool. But I do what I do in the way that I do it because, one, it's easiest for me. I'm comfortable doing it. But two, because I think it can have the, its greatest impact in the way that I do it. Mm. And um, if I can maybe without ending on too deep in nature, I've been to funerals in the past where no one's there. And those are people who have met people face to face forever. The last thing I want is at the end of my life to sit there and to be looking down at my own funeral and seeing my kids there and my wife and some friends and seeing it vastly empty because I didn't mm. touch or motivate or inspire anyone else. And I think that through storytelling, 
we can create just as deep of relationships here as we could if we were shaking hands face to face. Profound. Awesome. I have a request for you, actually. Yeah. One of the things that I appreciate that you do in the videos that you create is that you take a moment to pause. You take a moment to breathe. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if that you acquired that from training or if you went to one of those programs where you learn how to publicly speak, because I know they talk about that a lot. Instead of saying um or ah, you just breathe. You put your hands out, you take a breath, you take a moment, and you let the neurons fire and you go to your next thing. So one of the pieces of content that I'd love, if, if you're willing, that I'd love to see you put out is the power of the pause. It's the in-between moments. It's the pause in between music from Beethoven that makes us yearn for the next piece, the next bit of information, you know? And it's in that pause where we actually introspect, ruminate, think, meditate, and ultimately yeah. have it absorb, you know? Right. So I, I'd love to learn more about that from you. Yeah, and uh, you know what? I think that would be a great video. And I'll say this, people that know me right now who are watching this are laughing their asses off. Because, <laughs> by the way, no formal training on it outside of, you know, I did stage acting, but that's easy because the pauses are required, right? For me, it's about understanding that typically speaking, I have diarrhea of the mouth. Mm. <laughs> and I have so typically speaking, my mind goes faster than my, my mouth can. Mm. So I've got to stop and realize that someone needs to take in what I just said. Mm-hmm. And that you're right, there is power behind silence. When yes. you're in sales, you learn that, right? You learn that in business, you learn it in sales, you learn it in relationships. You know, it's funny, in the relationship, without that awkward pause, there's no amazing first kiss, right? Uh. <laughs> and you learn that, and I think it's something. So yeah, I think that would be a great video. I'll tell you what, I'll do it and I'll tag you on it. Nice, I'm in. Cool, man. Yeah, buddy. Well, in the spirit of the, uh, the pause, um, we'll end it here. Where can folks find you? Web address, social? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just, uh, I don't even know what my LinkedIn is. I think it's Joshua Deshay or Joshua W. Deshay. You just look me up there. If you're a second connection, it'll say Joshua WD, and you'll see my goofy smiling face on the little profile. You can go to uh, joshuadeshay.com. Cool. Um, as well, that's an ever-changing, ever, <laughs> ever uh, morphing website that I'm consistently trying to make better. Um, but I would say LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. If you've opened up your your stinking browser, you've probably seen one of my videos. So reach out, connect. I connect with as many people as I can, and I will have a discussion with you. I'm not too good to do that. Nice, Joshua. Appreciate the time, man. Absolutely. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy.